Anyone who's gone through a life-changing illness knows navigating the physical and mental challenges can be tough. But what if the battle is also public, seen by hundreds of thousands of people? That is the situation Minneapolis-St. Paul television news anchor Randy Shaver found himself in, not once, but twice. Cancer is the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're totally a different person. One person's very public battle with cancer and the good that has come from it. I'm Kathy Worzer. That story coming up next on Living with the End in Mind, a podcast series from the End in Mind Project. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon, and Randy Shaver is ducked into an audio booth the size of a small closet in the CARE 11 studios. He quickly records several short promotional messages designed to entice viewers to stick around for the upcoming news shows. After that, it's back to his desk in the newsroom with a symphony of police scanners as the backdrop to go over some of the stories he'll read to viewers during the 5, 6, and after a dinner break, the 10 p.m. news. This has been Shaver's life since 1983. Now a news anchor, the first part of Shaver's tenure at CARE 11 was spent as a sports reporter and the sports director. He's the face of a popular, long-running highlight show every Friday night during the high school football season called CARE 11 Prep Sports Extra. Sports Extra. Now, here's your host, Randy Shaver. We have more great highlights. Uh, You're not going to believe them. Let's get started. Spotlight game tonight proved to be one of the greatest games we've had in a long time. With an address book full of star athletes to call on, he launched a charity golf tournament back in 1995. Just a few years later, though, that same tournament would become more significant than Shaver could imagine. It was the day after my golf event in 1998. So we had just raised money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I knew that something was wrong because I had had night sweats and other symptoms leading up to June of that year. But I'm a guy and guys are stupid. And we have all sorts of excuses as to why we would go to bed at night and wake up in the middle of the night with our T-shirt soaked and go change your shirt and go back to bed. And we would say, well, it's too hot in the room, too many covers. You just make up excuses and not really hone in on what the problem is, thinking you're going to be okay. It was the day after that golf tournament when his family, wife Roseanne, two kids, ages eight and five at the time, plus mother-in-law, were supposed to leave on a road trip to Yellowstone National Park. Instead, his wife insisted he see a doctor. And I go to my doc, and as soon as I sit down, we start talking. He said, well, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And I said, well, I've kind of been sweating at night and, you know, Wake up, my T-shirt would be wet. I'd change my T-shirt, go back to bed. I'd wake up three hours later, it's wet again. Well, the look on his face said it all. He said, well, we need to go get a chest X-ray, which they did. They found a huge mass in my chest. And then he said, well, we have to do another test in order to determine what it is, whether it's an infection around your heart or, you know, that kind of thing. Long story short, I had to call my wife from the first doctor's appointment to go to the next one to tell her, that there's a chance this is cancer. And 
That was probably the hardest conversation I've ever had in my life because it was very emotional. We had just got done hosting our golf event. We had just raised a ton of money. And here I am basically diagnosed with the very thing that we were raising money for. The irony there. The irony, yeah. The results of that second test were not good. It was lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage four. A couple of days after he was supposed to have been on vacation, he started chemotherapy. You know, I never really once said, why me? And I really never once was mad because, I mean, I knew the outcome was going to be okay. I mean, the cure rate was like 90% for Hodgkin's. So I was confident that whatever we were going to do, without knowing what it was going to be like, was going to be fine. I was going to be fine. So I was not, I was more upset for my kids that we couldn't go on this trip than I was, you know, about me being sick. Anyway, but, you know, I go through almost six months of chemotherapy and a month of radiation. And it was a tough six months of chemotherapy with a month of radiation to boot. But Randy Shaver kept working and viewers watched him wrestle with cancer one day at a time. My doc was like, you know, first of all, you got to have a positive attitude. That's the most important thing. I learned that day one when I walked into chemo and I didn't know really what to expect. And they asked me, do you want a private room? Do you want, I said, no, just put me wherever. It doesn't matter. And I walk in and it's a room full of everyday people. There's a guy in the corner with a shirt and tie on. He's got his laptop. He's working on something and he's on the phone and he's hooked up and There's a mom, and she's reading to her child, and she's hooked up. And I just looked around at everybody, and I thought, well, gosh, I mean, I thought it was going to be all old people. You know, that's kind of what you think when you have cancer. It's just what you do, and and it's so far from that. And the nurses there said, you know, the most important thing is to be positive. And so I did that. And the other thing is try to stick to a routine. Try to stay as normal as you can which isn't easy, but that's why I worked, because I just wanted to have a normal routine. And I missed a few days, no doubt. There are days my wife said that she wanted to lay in the driveway so that I couldn't back the car out to go to work (laughs) because I wasn't feeling well enough. But, you know, I think all of those things, though, helped me get through the tougher times because I was busy. I wasn't sitting around thinking about being sick. I was always really impressed that you were on the air. This is a brutal business and people it judge is. you on your looks yeah. and viewers can be tough, yeah. but you were out front. We decided just to just to go with it. And the response was overwhelming. I mean, people were so gracious and so kind. I have three huge binders at home with over 3,000 emails from viewers who just either wanted to express, you know, their well wishes to me or tell me their story, because that's what happens when you get sick. Yes. People want to share, and that's good. It helps them. It helps you. But it's healing. Yeah, it's a part of the healing process. Yeah. So it turned out to be, in all honesty, probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me, because it opened my eyes about a lot of things in life. And Randy Shaver beat back the lymphoma. You're listening to Living with the End in Mind. This episode is made possible by Johan and Lori Allert and Brian Engdahl. We're talking to Minneapolis-St. Paul television news anchor Randy Shaver. Thanks for joining us tonight. Move-in day at the University of Minnesota campus is here after being delayed by two weeks. Of course, the reason, COVID-19. People who've experienced the grace of remission say, no matter how long it's been, 
there's always a little voice that whispers, what if the cancer comes back? Is it lurking somewhere else in my body? With every scan or test, there are always questions because the mind doesn't easily forget what the body has endured. Every cancer patient who goes into remission, regardless of what kind of cancer it is, you just, you hold your breath. When you go in to either get your blood tested or you have a checkup or whatever it might be. And as soon as you get done with treatment, your checkups are like every three months. And so it gets to be a little bit of a grind mentally to have to go in every three months. And then they extend it to every six months and then once a year. And then when you get to that five-year mark, you can kind of exhale a little bit. But cancer is a tough foe. Yeah, 2018. And I knew something, again, was cooking because I get a physical every year. And I knew that my PSA was jumping around a little bit. And when I had my physical in July of 2018, it was not where my doc wanted it to be. And he just basically said, we're done doing the dance. You got to go. And that started that whole ball rolling. And sadly, it was familiar terrain for Randy Shaver. But this time, it was a different cancer. I will tell you, the second time around with the prostate cancer, my protocol was taking a drug called Lupron. Are you familiar with that? Is that a hormone? It is. It stops your testosterone. Prostate cancer lives on testosterone. So once testosterone is out of your body, the cancer disappears. Now, the problem is you can't, I suppose you can stay on Lupron for a long period of time, but most men probably would not want to because it turns you into a menopausal woman. I was my wife's best friend. We, she wanted to go shoe shopping. She wanted me to join a book club. I would cry at movies. It was six months of, I would have those hot flashes. Oh, Kathy, I had hot flashes like you can't believe. Well, you're welcome to the club, young I man. Know. <laughs> I was sitting in the newsroom. I never will forget my first one. I'm sitting at my desk and all of a sudden from my toes, all the way up my legs, up my body, I was on fire. I mean, on fire. And I sat there and I went, what is happening? And all of a sudden, I feel beads of sweat up there. I didn't mean to laugh. I know, but I, and I'm like, what's going on? And Julie's sitting next to me and she's not really paying attention. You're going for yeah, folks who are not familiar. And, yeah. and I kind of look at her and I go, oh my, I think I'm having a hot flash. And so I grab my uh, wallet, which has my buzzer to get me in and out of the building. And I go to the backyard and we happen to have a um, a rocking kind of a rocker sit outside. And I go sit outside in the middle of winter with the snow. Thank God I got sick in the wintertime so that I had a place to run to at work. But I would sit out there maybe twice a day depending on, and I never got them at home. It was the most bizarre thing. I always got them when I was sitting at my desk at work. It was the craziest thing. And of course, and you know this building, the lunchroom faces the backyard and it's all glass. And so here I am sitting outside without a coat (laughs) and people are in the lunchroom pointing at me like, what is he doing? Why is he sitting? Why is he sitting in a snowbank in November? (laughs) So So there was Randy, more than 20 years after his first fight with cancer, back in the ring again. I was really mad about it when I was diagnosed. 
I was really mad for like two days. I was like, this is the first time I've ever said, why me? You know, I was just, I mean, really ticked off. And not so much about the cancer itself, but about the process that I knew I had to go through again. It was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do this again. And it's a totally different deal. Prostate cancer is so invasive. There's so many things, so many side effects for men that you have to deal with. I decided not to do surgery. Uh, I just couldn't put myself through that. I decided to do this Lupron with a month of radiation. And, you know, everything worked out great. It was a really hard 2019, just a tough year. I just didn't feel myself because of the Lupron and, the, and everything I went through. And then it takes so, such a long time for the Lupron to leave your body, for you to start to feel like yourself again. And at this point, three PSA tests in, Randy Shaver is doing really well. The cancer, he says, is hardly detectable. So how has he managed to navigate a life interrupted by cancer? This former star high school and college athlete, no surprise, turns to the lessons learned in the world of sports. I talk about this all the time. I love high school football. I'm a big proponent of football because football teaches you so many things about life. It teaches you mental toughness. It teaches you how to get through the grind, whether it's two-a-day practices or whatever it might be. It teaches you teamwork because football is about everybody. It's not about one guy. It teaches you how to work well together with everybody, how to take direction and follow direction because football is about following direction. You have a job to do, and if you don't do it, all the dominoes won't fall in the right place for that play or the execution of it to happen. So... Being treated for cancer is kind of the same way. You have a coach, which is your doctor, so you got to follow direction. And if you don't, bad things can happen if you don't pay attention to what's going on. you got to have mental toughness. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. It is a grind. It is, it's a day-to-day, and depending on what you're going through and the treatment, the protocol that you have, it can be brutal. I think in being a former athlete, really made a big difference for me in getting through it. I just kind of looked at it as I got to push to the next day. I got to get to the next one. And it's that, you know, I've been there before kind of attitude. And if you put it in that perspective and you plow through it like that, keeping in mind that you got to pay attention to your body and what it's telling you and what what's going on, pretty soon you get to that finish line and it's done. And that's kind of what happened with me. A good friend of mine was dealing with another completely different illness, and he navigated his illness through music. Yeah. And he had a playlist he called Sniffles when he <laughs> wasn't doing too well. And he had a playlist called you know Hot Hits or something like that, and he would just blast that. And that's how he kind of purged whatever feelings mm-hmm. he had at that point as he was moving through his illness. Got to find your inner peace somewhere. And the inner peace for you came fishing, music? No, no. You know, probably just getting away from work and just finding time just to be quiet. And I've never been a yoga person. I'm not, a, I'm not you know, going to sit there with my legs crossed and uh, do that. But I... I just really found that if I could just get my mind off it by going somewhere by myself and being quiet and just relaxing, that that usually, if I was anxious, it usually settled me down. And my family's been so supportive. They've been so great. My wife's unbelievable. It's just that whole network of people really does make a difference in 
not only how you get through it, but your mental approach to everything that comes your way during that time. Boy, cancer splashes all over everybody. It does. It's not just about the person who's sick. It's about everybody that person is involved with, whether it's at work or at home, whether you coach a team, your team, your players. It, it doesn't matter. It's all those people feel something. They're a part of it in one way or another. What parts of your life have faded away and what parts of your life have deepened because of this two-time journey that you've been on? Hmm. I will say this, and I've said this before publicly when I've spoken to people about my journey, cancer is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've always been that, that before cancer, it's not that I wasn't sympathetic to people or I wasn't, uh, didn't have empathy for people. But when I saw someone who was sick or struggling and I knew that, I was probably not the first person that would go up and say, hey, how you doing? I was probably, because I really didn't know what to say. You know, I, I was uncomfortable in that situation. And now, having been through the journey, well, the first time for sure, you're totally a different person. I see somebody who's sick, I'm the first one up there to say, how you doing? I'm the first one to have that conversation. If we were walking down the street towards each other, maybe before I'd kind of look the other way or not make eye contact, but now I do. And I always say, it's a shame that it took cancer for me to be like that because I should have been like that all along. That's the way my parents brought me up. That's the way I should be, but I'm very happy that's the way I am now. And it's allowed me to open up about my journey, allowed me to share what I've been through so that others feel welcomed to come into that world and ask me questions. Here's an example of that. Randy says he was in San Diego doing a story and he got a Facebook message. Some guy, I don't have any idea. I've never met him before. And he just said, look, I've just been diagnosed with, I think, the same kind of cancer you had, and I'm getting prepared to do this. And if you ever have any time, would you mind getting back to me? And I just jumped on there right away and said, send me your phone number. And he was like, really? And I said, yeah. And so I called him that night right there. We had a half-hour conversation about what he was about to go through. And I tried to give him as much of my knowledge of my journey, as much as I went through that would help him in his. And now we are connected. Now he texts me and says, hey, I've been through this part and I got through my uh, spinal tap and it wasn't easy. And, you know, all those things. Now we have this connection. And I probably don't know if I could have ever done that before without being through the journey myself. And I think that's what's really changed me as a person. That's probably the biggest change for me is being that person that I should have been all along. How has cancer changed your view of your mortality? Well, let's put it this way. I make the most of every day, every single day. And that is maybe to a detriment because I stay up late at night. I don't really like to sleep all that much because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. Have you always been this way? Well, I've always been a night owl. Well, given your hours, and, I can see and, that. And you get wound up when you get home from working the night shift. But to be honest with you, I roll into bed maybe at 1.30 in the morning, and I'll get up for radio at 7.15. Sports with Care 11's 
Randy Shaver on the 93X Half-Assed Morning Show. Randy, are you there? Oh, yeah. Wonderful to have you, Randy. It's just our luck. I may go back to bed after radio if I don't have to be somewhere, but I just have kind of been that person where if there's things that I want to get done, things I want to do, things I, I don't have enough time in the day to do here while I'm at work, I'm going to find time to do them now where maybe before I'd put off and I'd put off and I'd put off. I try not to put things off anymore. I try to be more connected with people I haven't connected with in a while. Things like that, I think, have really, I mean, having been through what I've been through, I know the value of every day. You, you really value it even more. My dad died at 59. He, had, he was a smoker. He had lung cancer. The only time I ever saw my father cry was we were at the Mercy Hospital in Cedar Rapids, and this is way back when, and he was getting marked for radiation. Now, back in those days, they would actually mark your skin as to where they were treating, the, like it was a magic marker. And I went with my dad for this visit, and my dad came out of that with these markings on his chest and whatever, and he got in the car and he cried. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. And he never made it to treatment. He passed before he even started treatment. Because I I feel in my heart, A, he just didn't want to go through it. I just feel like he, he saw the road ahead. And it's not like it is today. The treatments today are so much better. And he just knew he just physically didn't want to go through all that. He was a young man. He was 59. So when I had my 59th birthday two years ago, I was like, wow, you know, this is the age my dad was when he passed. So I'm really grateful for what I have right now. I've got two boys who are doing well. Our charity is doing fantastic. I love what I do here. I know there's an end to some of this coming, but I'm not ready for that yet. And I'm just, I feel like I'm too young yet to walk away from a lot of this stuff. And I think having been through cancer twice really hasn't worn me down. It's revved me up to where I feel like there's too many things yet I want to do, too many things I want to see yet. So that's the way I'm living my life right now. With that in mind, do you feel that, I mean, you have gone, navigated two big, life-changing bouts with cancer, right? Do you ever think to yourself, I must be here for a reason? You know, it's funny. The first time I got sick, Roseanne and I had a conversation, and we were working for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society at the time. We had not branched off into our own entity. And we had a discussion about whether we should continue doing it or not. Because it was labor intensive. There's a lot of things going on with it. And then I got sick. And Roseanne looks at me and goes, it's like God taking a two by four and hitting you over the head and saying, where are you going? You're not leaving. We have work to do. And that work turned from working with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for about eight years to us branching out to the Randy Shaver Cancer Research and Community Fund, where we control the money. We get to decide where the hard-earned money of people who give that to our charity, where it goes, and that everybody will then know exactly where the money goes. It's on our website. You can see who we funded, how much we gave them, what their research is. Tell me another group 
that does anything like that that is so incredibly transparent that they let you know to the dollar where the money is going. And that's what's so unique and special about what we do. And that's what keeps us excited and energized. I always end every interview with kind of a takeaway for folks. Do you have a poem, a prayer, a mantra, an exercise, a meditation, something that you do every day that is your touchstone that has gotten you through at this point? I really don't, except for there, it's really quirky. It's really kind of dumb, to be honest with you. I had a football coach, God bless him, Ron Sherm, when I was in high school. And Ron Sherm was also my track coach. And Ron Sherm used to always have this saying, you have to be a six o'clock player in a six o'clock league. And I used to remember him saying that all the time and never really understood, what does that mean? But then when I got sick in 98 and I started thinking about things, I thought about Shermie. And what it means is when it's your time, you have to be ready. When it's six o'clock, you got to be ready. And it's like when you're a cancer patient and you've been diagnosed, you got to be ready. You got to go face it. It's you. You know, it's, it's your time. It's six o'clock. It's time to go. And so I've kind of used that as my, you know, kind of getting through things. When things get tough, it's like, okay, hey, Shermie, it's six o'clock. I, I got to go. And I, I use that as kind of my way of dealing with all the things that have happened to me in my life. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's television news anchor and radio show host Randy Shaver. He says if you've been just diagnosed with cancer and you have questions, he is just an email away and would be happy to help. For more information or to make a donation to Randy and Roseanne Shaver's charitable foundation, that's randyshavercancerfund.org. The mission of the foundation is to fund cancer research, treatment and prevention programs, and other needs in the cancer community. And that, my friend, is Living with the End in Mind, produced by Palisade Productions for the End in Mind Project. The End in Mind Project's mission is encouraging vibrant living at any stage of life, including the end of life. Living with the End in Mind is edited by Jenna Lee Park, and this episode is made possible with funding from Johan and Lori Allert and Brian Engdahl. If you or a person you know is living fully in spite of serious illness, tell us about it by going to endinmindproject.org. We could use the story in this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kathy Worzer. 